0: Chapter 7 of The Privilege of Pain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Privilege of Pain by Carolyn Kane Mills Everett. Chapter 7. The Physically Handicapped Philosophers. Tavni froneni brotosigma dosada Daphni pathimathos, ve kiryosin. Aeschylus, Agamemnon, line 186. Among the British philosophers who were physical sufferers, we find the great Francis Bacon, who, from childhood, was always weak and delicate. John Locke became world-famous by reason of his still-celebrated Essay Concerning Human Understanding. He was also of political importance, having occupied for years the position of confidential adviser to the great Earl of Shaftesbury. Professor Campbell says of him, "Locke is apt to be forgotten now, because in his own generation he so well discharged the intellectual mission of initiating criticism of human knowledge and of diffusing the spirit of free enquiry and universal toleration, which has since profoundly affected the civilized world." He has not bequeathed an imposing system, hardly even a striking discovery in metaphysics, but he is a signal example in the Anglo-Saxon world of the love of attainable truth for the sake of truth and goodness. If Locke made few discoveries, Socrates made none, but both are memorable in the record of human progress." Quote. Robert Boyle, the natural philosopher, was the seventh son and fourteenth child of the great Earl of Cork. His scientific work procured him extraordinary reputation among his contemporaries. It was he who, quote, first enunciated the law, that the volume of gas varies inversely as the pressure, which among English-speaking people is still called by his name, end quote. Great as were his attainments, they were almost overshadowed by the saintliness of his character, the liveliness of his wit, and the incomparable charm of his manner. Boyle was a man of the most feeble health. This is what Evelyn says of him, The contexture of his body seemed to me so delicate that I have frequently compared him to Venice glass, which, though wrought never so fine, being carefully set up, would outlast harder metals of daily use. End quote. Robert Hooke, the experimental philosopher, was both deformed and diseased. He was not a great man, and his scientific achievements would have been quote, more striking if they had been less varied. End quote. Nevertheless, he was renowned in his day, and his contribution of real importance, for although quote, he perfected little, he originated much. End quote. I mention him and shall mention several others who have been forgotten by all but scholars, because I wish to show how large an army stands behind its illustrious chiefs. Besides, if we contemplate only the giant luminaries of the firmament of fame, we shall become discouraged. They paralyze us by the very intensity of the admiration they evoke. Lesser men, on the contrary, for the reason that they are nearer our own orbit, are more likely to stir us into emulation. Herbert Spencer's achievements are too well known to necessitate further comment. He was exceedingly delicate, and, at his best, only able to work three hours a day. Descartes, the foremost French philosopher, had a feeble and somewhat abnormal body. Quote, Yet he considered it, I am quoting Mr. Edmund Gosse, well suited to his own purposes, and was convinced that the Cartesian philosophy would not have been improved, though the philosopher's digestion might by developing the thews of a ploughboy. Nicholas Malebranche, the great French Cartesian philosopher, was the tenth child of his parents. Although deformed and constitutionally feeble, He was one of the most sought-after men of his day. From all countries of the world, but more especially from England, be it said in her honor, scholars, writers, and philosophers flocked to his door. The German princes voyaged to Paris expressly to see him. The philosopher Berkeley was probably the cause of his death, by forcing himself on Malbranche when the latter had been ordered absolute quiet. His influence has been variously estimated. Spinoza is undoubtedly one of his disciples. Monsieur Emile Faguet says of him, Malbranche est un des plus beaux metaphysicians que j'ai rencontrés. Si l'on vous m'a pensé, je trouve des cartes plus grands savants et plus vaste esprit, mais je trouve Malbranche plus grand philosophe dans en moins carte lui-même. Speaking of his character, he writes: Il n'y jamais on de plus d'esprit, ni plus homme de bien, ni plus séduisant." Blaise Pascal, the great French religious philosopher, still holds a position of immense importance in the history of literature as well as philosophy. His provincial letters are the first example of polite, controversial irony since Lucian, and they have continued to be the best example of it during more than two centuries, in which style has been sedulously practiced, and in which they have furnished a model to generation after generation. His pensées, published after his death, is, quote, still a favorite exploring ground, to persons who take an interest in their problems. End quote. In philosophy, his position is this quote, He seized firmly and fully the central idea of the difference between reason and religion, but unlike most men since his day who, not contented with a mere concordat, have let religion go and contented themselves with reason. End quote. Pascal, Though equally dissatisfied, quote, held fast to religion and continued to fight out the questions of difference with reason. End quote. From the age of eighteen, Pascal never passed a single day without pain. Nevertheless, in the worst of his sufferings, he was wont to say, quote, Do not pity me. Sickness is the natural condition of Christians. In sickness, we are as we ought always to be. In the suffering of pains, in the privation of goods, and of all the pleasures of the senses, exempt from all passions which work in us during the whole course of our life, without ambition, without avarice, in the continual expectation of death. Voltaire suffered frequent attacks of illness. It was said of him that he was born dying. Comte, the French positive philosopher, accomplished the bulk of his work after recovering from an attack of insanity during which he threw himself into the sin. Perhaps it is too soon to judge of the ultimate value of his system of philosophy. It has had impassioned adherents, as well as scornful critics. His main thesis seems to be, quote, that the improvement of social conditions can only be effected by moral development and never by any political mechanism or any violence in the way of an artificial redistribution of wealth, quote. In other words, he preached that a moral transformation must precede any real advance. Yet he was not a Christian. An enemy defined Comptism as Catholicism without Christianity. Henri Frédéric Amiel, Swiss philosopher and critic, whose chief work, the Journal in Time, published after his death, "'obtained for him European reputation, was a valetudinarian. "'Emile wrote but little, but all he accomplished "'has the quality of exquisite sensitiveness. "'The great Kant was a wretched little creature "'barely five feet high, with a concave chest "'and a deformed right shoulder. "'His constitution was of the frailest, "'though by taking extraordinary precautions "'he escaped serious illness.' End of chapter 7. Recording by Linda Johnson.